Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We are in a study entitled Protology and Eschatology. As we mentioned earlier, protology, pro, is the early or before the rest of redemptive history. It's the study of the beginning as it relates to the end. Eschatology is the study of last things. So protology and eschatology reflect each other. And I think the amazing thing you're going to see as we go through the first 11 chapters of Genesis is that you will perhaps understand in a clearer way some of the things we studied as we were going through, let's say, the book of Revelation. So we're in Genesis chapter 2, a very innocent-looking chapter, and you might say, what does that have to do with anything in eschatology? And I think you're going to see that Genesis 2 holds a key to recognizing the times of the great apostasy described in 2 Thessalonians 2 and Revelation 20. And it's going to require a couple of episodes to develop this topic. But I'd just like to mention on a personal level, Genesis 2 was one of the keys to my finding my pathway into the Catholic Church. In other words, you'll find the first mention of marriage in Genesis 2, the very end of the chapter, and through that keyhole, so to speak, the lens, the keyhole of marriage, I was able to find the Catholic Church amidst the confusion of 20,000 other denominations, so it's very important. Now, there's something that's a kind of the, the clue, so to speak, to unwrapping all of Genesis chapter 2. And I'll read it starting in verse 4, where it says, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Whenever you see this phrase in the book of Genesis, these are the generations of, that's just saying, new section, new section, and it's to alert you, you're into a new section. So really the first few verses of Genesis chapter 2 belong along with the topics in Genesis 1. But in chapter 4, it says that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And there's a switch here because you see in Genesis 1, the name for God is simply G-O-D. But when you get to Genesis 2-4, it's Lord God. Now, I'm going to give you a really big tip, and I go through this every time I publish a book and quote a scripture from the Old Testament. If you look in a newer translation like the RSVCE, the Revised Standard Version, the New American Bible, you will find it's capital L, and then the O-R-D for Lord is different. It's not lowercase. It's called small caps. They're capital letters, but they're in a smaller case than the L in the word Lord. So it's capital L, small caps, O-R-D. 
And whenever you see that in your Revised Standard Version or the New American Bible, that's a tip-off that that word LORD with O-R-D in small caps is referring to Yahweh, the, the covenant God of the Old Testament. Now, a lot of people, when they go off to seminary and study scripture, unfortunately, in today's world, they're told that there's a new author here that wasn't Moses, it was somebody else uh, came along because Genesis 1 uses one word for God and Genesis 2 uses Lord God. No, it's not a different author and it's not a different God. It's the same God who created the heavens and the earth, but what he is doing in Genesis chapter 2 the creator, God, is making a covenant. And Yahweh, indicated in our English translations by capital L, small caps, O-R-D, Yahweh is the covenant name for God. And so Genesis chapter 2 is describing the divine covenant. And when you make a covenant, you first have the identity of the greater party in the covenant, and that would be Lord God. The other party would be the human race. In a covenant, there's usually stipulations, the regulations, the ordering of things, or the laws. Probably the most famous stipulations in an Old Testament covenant is in Exodus. The Ten Commandments are stipulations for a covenant. Now, here's the biggie. It is not by coincidence that the first mention of Yahweh, the covenant name for God in the Bible, it's not by coincidence that the first mention of the divine covenant in the Bible, you find at the very end of that same chapter, a marriage covenant between the first man and first woman. And this is a little subtle, but once you get this, this is kind of a key to a whole lot of scriptures. It was my key to finding the Catholic Church. It's that the divine covenant and the marriage covenant are interrelated. They reflect each other. They're connected with each other. Uh, somebody who is infinitely smarter than I am, when I read his works, I feel like I don't even know the English language. I'm talking about C.S. Lewis. And if you read his book entitled That Hideous Strength, it's very interesting. The very first word in that work of science fiction is matrimony. You go through, and these two young, uh, newly married, progressive uh, married couple kind of just goes through a lot of trouble in their marriage as they drift away from God. But as they are reconciled with God towards the end of the book, guess what? Their marriage is restored. And it's kind of like the bookends on this entire novel C.S. Lewis had all the time. It only took me two or three readings to, to uh, really <laughs> appreciate that. In the New Testament, here's what St. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. He's talking about the relationships between husbands and wives as Christians. And he says, and for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Paul is just reverberating the early chapters of Genesis. And he goes, this mystery is a profound one, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Wait a second. You were just talking about husbands and wives, and then you switch and say, this is a profound mystery. Now I'm talking about Christ and the church. 
Why? They're interrelated. Just get that, all right? Now, that's protology, the interrelationship between marriage and the divine covenant, the two becoming one. So let's see if there's any eschatology reflecting this same union. Go to the last book of the Bible, the second last chapter of the last book of the Bible, Revelation 21 and verse 2. This is what we read. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And here is the glorified church coming for its eternal union with Jesus Christ, Christ and the church. And yet the words used to describe this is like a bride adorned for her husband, like marriage. It's at the first chapters of the Bible, the second chapter, I should say, of the Bible, Genesis 2 and Revelation 21. A little later in Revelation 21, John says, come and I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So you see the interrelationship between the divine covenant and the marriage covenant. Now for the really bad news. I found actually uh, some listeners to Catholic radio and podcasts don't like bad news, but you know, if it's in the Bible, God just doesn't throw bad news in there just to shock us or anything like that. It's to prepare us. And towards the end of human history, there will be a widespread falling away from the faith by formerly Christian individuals, families, countries, and churches in an open rebellion to God. This is called an apostasy, and an apostasy is falling away, but you, to, in order to fall away, you have to first be in union with God, and there's a grand departure from God. And when this occurs, it's described for us in symbolism in Revelation chapter 17. Let me read it to you, starting the first two verses. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who is seated upon many waters, whom kings of the earth have committed fornication, and with the wine of whose fornication the dwellers of the earth have become drunk. In other words, the great massive falling away at the end of time is described as a harlot, a prostitute, a whore. And both the leaders of the earth and the dwellers of the earth, that means the world's population, gets in union and follows this world system that's the opposite of being faithful in a covenant with Jesus. And it says a little further on in that chapter, Revelation 17 and verse 13, they are of one mind and give over their power. This is the kings, their power and authority to the beast, and they will make war on the lamb. The beast is the Antichrist. And don't worry, uh, it looks like they are going to extinguish the faithful who don't fall away. And surprise, surprise, you read the 
last few chapters of Revelation find out that that grand plan comes to a screeching halt with the second coming of Jesus Christ. But the point being, protology, eschatology. Protology, the divine covenant with the marriage covenant, and that's found at the very end when the faithful church comes back reunited with her Savior for all eternity. It's as a bride adorned for her husband. Protology, again, the relationship between the divine covenant and marriage. You go to just before the end, and you have a great falling away that's described as a harlot and it's described as committing adultery or fornication, and that is basically a twisting of God's purposes that was established way back in Genesis chapter 2. Final chapter, just I'll mention this, we'll talk about it, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the most important chapter in the Bible regarding this great apostasy and falling away is not in our Catholic lectionary, at least in the United States, but St. Paul says, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day, the second coming of Christ, will not come unless the rebellion or the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of perdition. That's the Antichrist. And so one of the ways we're going to understand this great apostasy at the end times is use our protology in Genesis 2, the interrelationship between the divine and the marriage covenant to interpret the apostasy at end times. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 213 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy, visit us online at luke21.com.